0: Hello and welcome back to The Huddle. It's uh, It's been a hot little minute. A lot going on in Aussie hoops and around the world. There's been a lot going on for our man Jock Landau, the guest today, NBL champion, Olympic medalist and recent free agent signing for the San Antonio Spurs. Mate, nobody's had a bigger three or four months than you have. Great to see you. Thanks for jumping on.
1: No, no worries. And As you said, it has been a... Uh intense couple months but yeah no it's good just trying to roll with it (laughs) how's texas texas is good it's uh it's really humid and it's not what i was expecting in the slightest i mean uh india my partner and i were kind of flying in uh to to texas and she was kind of poking me on the shoulder as we were kind of started our descent and just look out the window like is this what it's meant to look like and i was like are we on the right flight like this is insanity i mean it's just green like right. i was expecting you expecting sickos, the desert. desert practices like all of that and uh you know we've, we've taken a trip down out to austin as well and it's just more of the same like rolling hills beautiful green pastures it's insane so um it kind of fits fits my mold it fits you know the the country life i suppose and
0: um yeah we're, we're loving it Congratulations on the deal. First Thanks. and foremost, have you have you had like an you, you mentioned recently that you're not great at kind of enjoying the moment. You know, you tick one box, you're trying to go for the next. But have you had like an I've made it moment yet? Was it signing the contract? Was it getting told about the deal by Sammy? Have you yeah. done that at all?
1: So when Sam when Sam called me, it was like, uh, we were a couple days into what was that period of communication, we could start talking to teams, but you couldn't sign anything and gives me a buzz. And he's like, uh, he shoots me a text, sorry, me and India text, And he's like, Hey, let's jump on a call. I know you're going into some big games, like, but let's get on a call and just kind of discuss how As things ramp up a little bit because at the time I was like Sam don't tell me anything unless there is something concrete on the table and he so he texted me on this one day and I can't remember which day it was or what game we might have been going into and he was like hey uh let's uh let's oh it was yeah it was the morning we might have been going into the US game maybe I I can't remember but it's they all everything kind of blurred together but he was like you know, let's jump on a call. So as you know, things are starting to ramp up a little bit. We can uh, we can just discuss the way that you want to go about you know communicating everything. La, da, da, da And I was like, like weird, but whatever, mate. Like you're the boss. So uh, India and I were like, yep, no worries. It's ten o'clock at night here. How about we jump on a call tomorrow at at nine thirty? Like going into a, a game or something like that. And he was like, yep, sounds good. No stress. Talk to you then. So wake up in the morning. I sleep through it entirely. Like I miss the call call him back like 45 minutes later and he was like, Hey, like, I just, you know, uh, we're all on FaceTime and he's like, Hey, I, I just want to let you know that uh, this isn't actually a call that um, you know, how we're going to discuss things. It's a, it's a call to tell you that you're going to be on the NBA next year. you've just had your first fully guaranteed offer. And I was just like, bullshit like I don't believe this like so many things to this point had kind of just like wired me to think like there's no way this guy is like right. being serious right now like you know everything that I've gone through like there's no way that this is like happening and it was like honestly to, to my core I didn't believe it until the day we were driving like I was I've been in San Antonio for like a week and I didn't believe it until I was driving to my uh to my signing at, in, in the Spurs facility. And I sat turn and said to India in the car, I was like, babe, this is like the most anxious, nervous, anything I've ever been. Like I was petrified for some reason. Like I didn't know why, but I was just like, I was honestly, I was shitting myself. And uh, I get there and, you know, I'm talking with Brian Wright, our GM and, you know, he's, he's walking me through some of the the pages and, blah, 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 and I'm initialing and all that kind of stuff. And oh, sorry, I hadn't started initially, but, it was like, yeah, this is the first page. Like, this just says that you're going to be a spur, and he was like, Go ahead and sign that. And kind of like, looks away, and they've got it all on camera. I think, but I go to swipe my pen in my signature, and I completely botched the signature. I was like, I was so nervous. My first stroke, of my signature, I was just like, What what the hell did I just do? And so, I was like, kind of sitting there for a second, and I was like, Uh, okay, and I just continued on. So, the signature that they've got, like, it is mine, but <laughs> like, it doesn't look anything like my normal signature, so. I was, I was, I was so nervous, and I think that was probably the real first moment uh, in terms of the NBA stuff. I was like, "Damn, like I've, like I finally, I finally done it after the three years that have, uh, you know, just been all over the shop. Like it, I've finally done it, and um, that was probably the first moment I really, it really sank in. But like, you know, I got out of that, and I'm just like, "All right, what's next?" So right. no, I haven't, I haven't really like embrace it and you know i went out to dinner with uh with patty in la when we both landed in la and he was kind of he was harping on he was like man you've just won a bronze medal you've just done this you've just done that like chill out like just enjoy the moment and so clearly i haven't got any better at it but uh like i do try and i have little flashes of like all right like that's that's pretty sweet but as a whole package no it really hasn't like and i don't know if it'll ever ever will but it's something that i do have to work on
0: (laughs) he strikes me as like the best on the planet at appreciating the moment and kind of reflecting and knowing what he's achieved. It's, it's
1: a skill. And I've I talked to people in the Spurs facility about it. Like the way Patty can compartmentalize everything that's going on his life in his life is incredible. Like mm. he's got his family back home. He's got Alyssa and he's got everything in their foundation. then he's got the, all of this hype that's been created around the boomers kind of come to fruition and then he's got his brooklyn signing and a massive decision i'm sure it would have been to leave the you know his home spurs mm. and like you, you'd never know that this dude was under any kinds of stress and then mm. like you know he would always be at me like you know, just get out of your own head, get out of your own head, you know, come out and hang with me and Joe, or let's let's all just go chill out and have a chat, have a yarn. And he just, it never gets to him. And like, it is it is an art. And then when it's time to like cut loose and have a good time and embrace the moment that of what's being done, no one better, like he, he has this on off switch that like people talk about in, in, in athletes. And I see it in Patty, like he's able to just like, in in that regard he's able to just turn himself off from everything that's going on around him and focus on one thing and then like turn it back on and like all of a sudden you know it's it's crazy i don't i don't understand it (laughs) it must be a talent of his that he's been working on for years and he actually i asked him about this I how do you do it and he was like man i just worked at it and it's it's Mm. a long it's a it's a long line of experiences i'm sure that he's gone through that's led him to be like this but when he knows when when it's time to celebrate, like there's not
0: many that go harder than Patty. <laughs> <laughs> we we got a little insight into the celebrations after oh, yeah? the medal. why well, just a little a little couple of videos slipped out on on socials. Was yeah. that how was that party? That was uh
1: that was a crazy night. Um it was I mean, obviously I can't go too too far into detail, but one thing's for sure, the boomers can party and the can, can celebrate a bronze medal or a rose rose gold uh, so yeah it was it was a wild night I mean we got back everyone it was the kind of we got back to the locker room it was all hands on deck Chris and I would, we had these tall boys and we were just necking tall boys and then everyone you know Patty and stuff doing media for like for what felt like an hour and we're all in there yelling waiting for him to come in so we can do our song finally and you know they get in there and everyone's kind of winds down a little bit then we go out to the the medal ceremony we're back into the locker room and we just we just launched and the bus ride home we're all launching and
0: we saw we a of bit back the that. hey we saw a little bit of the back of the bus
1: yeah. oh yeah <laughs> my my <laughs> vocals weren't too uh too good after all the yelling but then we got back to the the hotel i want to say at like 12 o'clock and uh everyone was up like waiting for us and um you know that that you've seen those videos of us all kind of getting down to, to paddy's music and yeah. that just teed off I, I actually led the charge on a nut bush you know what the nut bush is i
0: know the nut I led,
1: bush i led the charge on a nut bush and got everyone popped in and got involved and i'm so flat that there's not a video but
0: uh oh, um, you'll always yeah. have the nut bush moment
1: yeah yeah and then i think i can i can say that nelly is by far the biggest soldier i've ever seen in my life like this guy can go and he knows how to celebrate as well so there are a couple boys who uh who definitely carried carried some of us
0: love it um there's a couple of things about you getting this deal that i love right um been following your progress over the years you know watching your two trips to summer league in person and the growth from the first year with Atlanta to the second year with Milwaukee, where you blew up. Um, But the bit that I love about it the most is it's on the back of the selfless approach that you took to last season with Melbourne United. When you were were right on the NBA fringe, you could have got it if the contract situation had been different that off season, you would have been in the NBA last year. And it was such an important year for you that one with Melbourne United. So to, to go into that without the mentality of, I've got to make sure these box scores look good mm. because I've got a, an NBA career to look at beyond that. To avoid that and go in with them. And how did you go about setting your mindset to approach it in the kind of, I'm just gonna do what's best for the team approach that you did?
1: Yeah, well, I think the, the first thing to kind of talk about is, is- I, I'm, I'm, I'm a human being, I'm an athlete. So there was always moments throughout that year where I was like, like, am I doing enough? Like, you know, is the box score what these guys out here look at? And I was constantly kind of like, and this is what I do. This is who I am as a human being, but I was constantly challenging myself mentally. Like, am I doing this the right way? Like, is this the way to go about it? And I just kind of kept reflecting back on, lessons that I've been taught from guys early on in my career as a professional and Novica Velikovic, my captain from Serbia, just these, he just said, we always used to go out and have coffee together. And the words that rang through to me always was just, mate, like winning takes care of everything. And I really do try and embody that. Now, I'm not perfect mentally. Sometimes I do let myself fall into, you know, do I need to be putting up more numbers and that, but I think this year just proves that that theory is correct. Like, you know, if, if you win a championship, you, everyone gets looked after. You look at guys like Sammy Mack, uh, you know, I'm trying to think who else is Mitch McCarron, all these guys who are a part of that winning vibe and that, and that culture that we kind of tried to carry forward to a championship. They got looked after and rightfully so they're a hell of a player. They're both hell of players and they deserve to be doing what they're doing. But that, that just like i really just tried to embody that and um you know some of my goals have always been win an nbl title win a euro league title winning you know all of the those two right there were where i wanted to start with my career now i didn't manage to get the euro the european thing done but the nbl thing when i got there i was like i was like no matter what i'm going to the nba next year like i've been through way too much to not let let that happen I can't think that far ahead and i just have to make sure that we win this thing and so i was kind of looking at you know how uh, our our roster was stacked up and as soon as we bought in myself chris uh scotty we had joe in there yeah we had yeah. all these volume players that could score 20 a night if they wanted to i was like we, this isn't going to work unless we realize that we have to use each other and not get so sort of wrapped up within those numbers so once I kind of that kind of clicks for me and, and I think that the first like three or four games of the season really really uh, helped me realize what was important because I saw the coverages that were coming at me and I was like shit I could I could do this and I could put these numbers up and but I would probably look bad I'd look way mm. worse uh, and we might not win and at that point I was I I, I just prioritize winning a championship way more than you know having a good game and mm uh and having an having an nba contract put down on the table in front of me because i've won a championship i've won cups in europe before i've won championships in europe before and that feeling when you realize that you've won it's like the medal when you realize that you've won that you're like there's not there's nothing better as an athlete like i came off that court after winning the championship my parents were just like this is the happiest we've ever seen you like insane so um I really I kind of knew a little bit I had tastes of what it was like to win a championship or a cup and on, this one meant a lot more to me being on home soil on the terms that I kind of set for the set I was I was the one that was ringing who and saying hey we got to win this thing we have to win this thing I was I was verbalizing it to the media and I just tried to speak it into existence as much as I could so that one meant way more than any of the others um, but yeah, like knowing I had that taste of those championships out in Europe, um, I knew that and, I, and not knowing what an NBA contract felt like, I wanted, I wanted to taste that winning a championship, honestly, from the bottom of my heart more than I cared about the NBA championship. And there were times throughout that year where I was just like, I was like, I, I want to do this so much more than I care about the NBA right now. Like this mm. is just, what I was so focused and locked up in the task at hand and and that's kind of it, like that's kind of the whole mentality that I had throughout the year and, and you know, yeah, I, I love the guys that I played with as well. And I think that it would have been a disservice to them if I went out and just tried to dominate every game um, for my own benefit, knowing that like I could, honest. and that's, you know, I think that from deep down, knowing that I could do that was, you know, that was enough for me, but what, I
0: really, really wanted this championship and you know, we did it. The results speak for themselves. And then I think the other cool part about it is like every player prides themselves on on wanting to be that kind of guy who comes up big in big moments, you yeah. know, steps up when it's needed most and you guys were well and truly up against it in game three of that semifinal series, 27 points from you that night, got over the line, grand final MVP. I mean, what, what's the feeling of knowing you came through for that team when they needed you most?
1: Um, Yeah, it was, it was cool. And it's, it's so weird. Like, I I haven't watched that game back and, and I don't, so I don't really think that I was, I was, I've really even like wrapped myself into the performance itself. Uh, you know, it's one of those very few games that I don't remember like a lot of plays from. Like I really, I just don't really remember much about it because I think that the 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 feeling of that achievement afterwards and and kind of the post, you know, the post game celebrations and, and all that stuff was just, it was way more like, you know, toxic to me in terms of just like, I was so wrapped up in that so um the performance what is is what it is uh you know i will say that that southeast melbourne game when i had the 27 that was pretty cool like that was a game where i was just like damn like i felt i felt like i was on a different level to what i had ever been in my career and um yeah i mean the the after the championship itself it's just like blank i, I just don't remember much uh and that's not because of the alcohol but um <laughs>
0: well you have to turn around quickly Get to get yeah. the get to the Boomers
1: camp. The boomers camp, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it, it was. I haven't. I haven't watched the game back. I can't remember the, what the performance is like. But I just know that that whole series, those both those series, I was like, I was so focused in on. Like you, you've talked about it all year. You've talked about it all year. You can't let this slip out from underneath you. You know, and that Southeast Melbourne game, I was a little bit nervous going into it, to be honest, because you know. Uh, I suppose I can talk about it for any now because I'm not a player, but the referee in that series was like, I couldn't figure it out. Like I didn't know how to play and I was second guessing that going into game three. And um, I was like, can, you know, can I be as aggressive as I want to? And uh, I just remember this, the, the first play of the game, my first points of the game was uh, it was an offensive rebound where I kind of just, I, I kind of shrugged Yarni off and he hit the deck. And I was like, if I get away with this foul call, I'll be good the rest of the game. <laughs> and i got away with it and then you know from then on out i was able to play freely and you know they really got on top of us at that point like that mm. was a scary moment uh, mm. but you know i just felt like and i kept saying in the huddles like every time like we just stick with these dudes just keep coming back keep fighting back when we got to our there was a timeout when we were just at our worst and the five in the group was just like whoa like this is flat so I was like, no, like if we just keep with these guys, we'll wear them down. Like there's no way that Krieg can keep, you know, keep up at his level that he's been playing at this, this whole series. And so I knew that like he would just teeter out a little bit somewhere. And then, you know, they kept finding guys uh who, who stepped up in a big way. Yani was huge in them for yeah. the game two. Uh Rooms. Yeah, Ruben Tarani was massive from like what he hit seven threes in that last game yeah. or something, right? like they had some really uh they had some lesser pieces really step up and play a big role at various times of that series but once we figured out what what they were doing and you know they weren't finding their shoes on the perimeter whatsoever we just bit in so far off the likes of Brockoff and Cam Glidden which you just in other systems you would not even dare but knowing what we knew about how they were playing especially from game two where they just carved us up in that on ball because we weren't really helping each other as well as we should have we were just like just bite in and if they start throwing out like Keith is going to be thrown over two seven footers uh you know we had we put a big guard on him we had mitch on him we had hop on him mm. um you know shilly who's a dog so uh we we kind of just figured out their system in that third game and even though they got off to a hot start because honestly we were just missing shots um and making some dumb plays. Uh, I, I always like for that whole game, like even though I came to that timeout and I was like, damn, this is like we're scary flat right you now. I was like, no, nah, like we'll be right. Like we're going to figure this out and there's no there was honestly no doubt in my mind.
0: Um Tory Craig, Lamella Ball, Jay Sean Tate, Josh Giddy, you Uh, you are a part of this kind of parade to the nba now out of the nbl in recent years you've got experiences through the coming out of college at a a high level but going undrafted going to europe playing in the euro league where do you feel like the nbl sits right now in a global sense in terms of that pathway towards the nba i
1: mean it's got to be the it's got to be the best place to be right like the the proof is kind of it's in the pudding and you see guys coming out year after year after year. And, you know, they're not just, they're not just guys that are just kind of like treading a fine line. Like there's an NBA champion in Tory Craig. There's, uh, you know, Giddy who's a lottery. Lamello is a lottery. There's Jay Sean Tate who's kind of in that rookie of the year contention. Like guys aren't just coming out of here to like, you know, just kind of like tread a fine line between in and out. Like these dudes are contributing. So, um, the other thing is the willingness that the GMs and and the owners of NBL teams have to let these to let people go. Like, hmm. have you have a really hard time? And I had a really hard time kind of expressing to people in Europe like, hey, like I I want to go to the NBA. Now, some of them were great. Don't get me wrong. I was very lucky in the Zalgira situation and how they handled that. But there are some situations you can find yourself stuck in where they just, they won't let you go or they'll put down, like, I thought my buyout was crazy and I've heard of buyouts that are seven figures from Mm. Europe to the NBA. So, like, there are some people out there um, who who don't, uh, they don't want to let you go. And in Europe's defense, they are genuinely trying, I think they're genuinely trying to compete with um the nba in terms of like talent now you know it's a completely different style of basketball so i don't think that you can kind of compete uh it's i mean it's honestly like a mj versus lebron argument right like it's just two different styles and whatever but um i think that the nbl does themselves such a service in like having that leniency to let people go and pursue their dreams that People now look at it as like a legitimate pathway, and the best thing about it is, is like that mentality doesn't take away from the league itself. Like, if anything, it enhances it, it creates more excitement, it it lures people to the league, and I just I keep seeing more and more names that I've played against in Euro League and who are big names who are coming out there to play. Like, you've got uh, Siva, right? He's out there this year. Like, you've got some big names rolling through the league now. Um, I was shocked when Colton Iverson went to play out there and, and you know, he put up some monster games and he was a legitimate EuroLeague big. So, uh, you know, I think the league itself is just taking steps forward and now you've got all this extra money coming in because of the TV deals. And I think you'll just continue to see more and more guys start to, start to go out there. And honestly, like I have conversations with top level EuroLeague guys who I played with, I played against who are like, dude i want to go play out there so bad like mm. so bad but you know it's just we're, we're in this and as Dave anderson would like to say we're bank robbers and and we're in this some guys are in the finances and that's what's important to them and i think that that's the only thing that really keeps guys going to europe is they just pay so much more so um that, that gap is closing, uh, but I, I really do believe that the NBL is just doing such great things and, you know, I'm always going to be a massive advocate for it and I'll be so appreciative of what they did for me and especially, I mean, obviously Melbourne United, man, those guys are huge. So, yeah, big things to
0: the NBL. Um, we touched on a little bit before, but absolutely epic Olympic campaign by you, by the team, historic achievement. But what you did and, and Nick as well yeah. in the front court for that team was unbelievable. I I, I felt like I was as, like writing kind of analysis after each game. And I was just like, well, I just got to do it again. I've just got to pour <laughs> love on those two and how they, how they're going about it. You guys just ended up shouldering an enormous load. Yeah. What, when um, the incident with Bainesy? from there, the, what, the challenge mentally, physically, emotionally as a group, but also for you and Nick in particular, where did you guys have to go at that point to kind of overcome that situation?
1: Well, first things first, if Baines watches this, it'd be nice if he'd respond to my messages <laughs> that I've been trying to check in on him with. But uh, so, yeah, hit me back, Baines-y. Um Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there was really too much... Uh, panic within the group. Um, I mean, obviously, Baines is just a massive piece. Like, the role that that guy plays for the boomers is incredible, and he's done it at a high clip for so long. So, when you lose a veteran like that who's done it for so long, just like when we lost bogues, everyone was like, damn, like who's gonna fill those shoes? Like, that's mm. always the first thought. And I read it, I, I saw the messages out on on Twitter and all that jazz. Saying, oh, we're, we're stuffed now. Like Jock can't feel Bains shoes. Nick can't feel Bainesy's shoes. Um, but like our role was our role was so simple. Like we just kind of rolled to the basket, and as Patty got doubled, as Joe got doubled, we just dunked the ball. And <laughs> like in all honesty, that's I might be downplaying it a little bit, but um that for me, that's my mindset in every game. Like there was a moment there, he went down against Italy, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there was that moment against Italy where, you know, I was out there and like uh, I would played the four and I kind of got off to a slow start. All right. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do too much. Um, because I I had, I had let, I had let outside voices kind of get in my ear a little bit, so when I kind of narrowed it down and I really just started like focusing on what was important, um it was so simple for me. It was run as hard as you can, every possession, get patty open, defend and rebound, and that's it that's all that's all that I tried to focus on and then, as that kind of evolved into like that that was at the that was the second half. I went into the locker room against Italy, and I was just like. I was like, all right, like, I'm, I'm trying to do too much right now. Like, what can I do to simplify this? So there was like a two minute thing where I was just sitting there silent, just like trying to figure out what I could do. And those three or four things just came up and it was rebound, defend and run. And everything else was simple. I threw in roll every time, which I did that game. I don't think I, sh- I might've shot one three or something like that, but um, I just tried to simplify everything. And after I did that, like the game started really just, coming to me and i found it so easy to to play with these guys because you know it really is that easy when you're playing with high caliber guys like that but you know when when that kind of narrowed down and then Bainesy unfortunately goes down at the end of that game but i have like a little taste of hey this is like just do those three things at a high level and you'll be good like shut all the other stuff out and just do that and that was me now for nick (laughs) nick just does that's just him it's just what he does and um i think that he does that's why he's such a great basketball player is because he finds his niche and he just locks in on that and he's great at it and that's what he's done his whole career um for me i came from a situation where there was a lot more required of me Mm. but i couldn't carry over that mentality onto the olympic team so again it was like a kind of I had to morph my game a little bit just so I could fit in with the role that was required. And once I narrowed it down to those three things, and this came off the back of a chat with, with Nelly, actually, we, we sat down the night before the Italy game and I was like, dude, I feel like I'm just, I'm a little bit all over the shop. Like, what should I do? So he kind of, he, he, he kicked, kicked that off. And then at that half in Italy, where I just like really narrowed things down and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it
0: was kind of the rest was history, and uh, Th- that that, that chat with Nelly, the night before that Italy game, did he talk to you about tapping back those rebounds? <laughs> Hammer no. thinks Hammer thinks that was maybe Nelly's influence because no, you were I, tapping I had, those yeah. tapbacks in that game were monumental. Yeah, I I don't know what it is.
1: Uh, I have. Like I have a hard time. a lot of the times I can't jump over the guys that I play against. Like yes, I'm long and I'm somewhat athletic, but I'm not on the level of some of these guys that we play against. So like a lot of the time I try and I, I really try and like tip the ball to myself, right uh, But I, I watched the film of Italy and I knew every rebound, they honestly they would send five guys to offensive rebound sometimes. Sometimes and every time they were sending five guys at the defensive boards. So right. I always knew going into that game, like, okay, you can tip it to yourself, but there's going to be a lot of dudes around you that can kind of grab that ball. I just like, I kept kind of catching dudes. I don't know how, but I kept catching dudes out of the corner of my eyes. This ball would go up and I was just slapping them back as best I could. And I had no idea that like, it was going to be five or six of them that would lead <laughs> to threes, but big plays. Like, I just, I don't know. Uh, that yeah it's just one of those things where the ball just can't, kind of comes your way and that's that honestly is some some games is what rebounding is like mm. like I had, i've had games where i've had two rebounds in a game but it's like, like what else can i do the ball just wasn't coming to me And that in that game i was lucky enough to have the ball just land in those spots and uh i was just i kept catching patty and joe and dante out of the corner of my eyes and um they were good enough to knock it down for the team
0: Big time. Um, What's really cool, though, you're talking about that, you know, you'd previous at Melbourne United, you had a bit of a different role. You'd catch it in the block a lot, and then you'd make the read on whether the double was coming or whether it was time to go to work. And then you come out, Bainesy's not with the group, not going to be on the floor anymore. You come out at the very start of that next game, was the Germany game, and first few possessions... You are right on the front foot. Don't want to work in the block, catch and shoot, being really aggressive. And I felt like there was a maybe a bit of a maybe a bit of a kind of exhale at that point of saying, you know what, he's he's ready to go. Nick's ready to go. We can we can do it because in the end, I think it ends up being a, a bit underappreciated how big a loss Bainsy is. The fact that you guys were able to get it done despite that. And yeah. it seemed like you came out at the very start of that Germany game saying, I'm on the front foot, let's do this.
1: Yeah, uh, I think a lot of that kind of was a carryover of what happened at the end of the game uh, in in Italy and and kind of the conversations that were had afterwards. And, um, you know, Gorge, Gorge, I mean, so much of it is trust. And you, you kind of have a... These tournaments are weird because you know players based on what they've kind of built themselves up to in that tournament. And I had never really been like a focal piece of the Australian team given it was my second campaign. So Mm. I don't think it wasn't, I don't necessarily think it was that Gorge didn't think I was like talented enough to catch it on the block and go play. But I think that a lot of it was like, I just had to earn that a little bit from him. Like I had to earn the trust. And that's, that's like a big part of this sport is like a lot of this like is not just given to you like you really do have to earn it and that carries over to this level like at the highest level you still have to earn people's respect and confidence enough because we can't afford 10 lost possessions from me playing one-on-one on the block like we you have to convert at such a high clip in these tournaments because it's do or die every single game so um you know i really started catching the ball deep and i think that that was kind of the first uh indicated a gorge like okay like i know what i'm doing like i'm not going to catch it off the block like i was in the nbl because there's a double team coming like i can catch the ball deep and i'm going to do it against these guys because so many of their heads and eyes are just following patty so the last thing they're worrying about is me stepping over them um so once i kind of did that once or twice then like the guys were calling plays for me that like i had patty i had patty mills mr 42 and nine calling calling plays for me, or 37 and nine, or whatever it was in that last game. But um, yeah, you know, these guys were calling plays for me to catch it in the block. And um, it wasn't always to score. Like, you know, a lot of the time I was trying to sling that thing out to the high level shooters we have in in Chris, Joe and Patty. But I think a confidence just kind of built. And then the other thing is, is not too many teams were switching with Bainesy because he is such a big dominant presence who will catch the ball wherever the hell he wants to. Um, but teams were switching a lot with me uh, because they were like we don't know who this guy is and like he's skinny and he's lanky and uh, he's probably not going to be able to score on us in the post but I think once I kind of started to um, you know just make sure making sure I was trying to make my job and and that kind of scoring option as easy as possible by just catching deep seals then you know the guys trusted me a little more to catch it on the block and go play one-on-one and you know, There was one game, I can't remember which one it was, but we opened up the game with me playing one-on-one on the post for the first two possessions. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, that was just the trust that these guys kind of built in me throughout the tournament and um, yeah.
0: Are you ready to become one of the, the leaders of that Boomers program now? Carry on the torch from what you've learned from Bogues and Joe and Patty and, and the guys? Yeah, um,
1: that's a, that's that's a tough one. Uh, I, I I do believe that I can be a leader of that squad, but I don't think that those guys are done just yet. So no, um,
0: is it? Required? You're not the new kid on the block anymore, right? I'm not the new kid on the
1: block, and this year I wasn't. Like I spent a lot of time with Matisse and and Greeny this year, and and Doop, and all those kinds of lads, and um, you know, they you know, I, I, I didn't look at myself as like, as such an intense leader as, you know, as, as Patty is. And, but just kind of like getting to know these guys, like a lot of this year was getting to know the young guys that like we are, I am going to be carrying this flame forward with going forward and um you know, whether or not I become one of the leaders of this group is, isn't up to me. Like I can't force myself into that position. It's up to the guys around me and whether or not they decide that, that that's, that's what's going to happen. But, from you know my characteristics as a person, like I always uh, you know I, I do try and be a leader on in some way and some some sense uh, on whichever team I'm on, and um, I think that a lot of that is kind of comes from my mentality and, and what I carry onto the court and the way I speak and and act and whatnot. But um, you know, in terms of having like a full on full on leader, of, you know, come out of me, like it's 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 not required of me just yet, but. You know when the time does come that that you know these older guys really do step away and, and pass pass that torch and i know that there'll be me and a couple other lads who'll be ready to step up and take it if, if if that's what happens and you know having those role models in bogues um and Bainesy and Deli and patty and joe and all those guys kind of like carrying forth with us and, and showing us the way it it makes it easy because these guys like everyone everyone hears about the boomers culture and everyone talks about where these guys have taken it to but the level that they've taken it to in the media's eyes as opposed to ours like it doesn't come close like what Mm. these guys do behind closed doors is incredible and i kind of really put it into words but um you know one day uh one day soon I, i hope to be one of those guys and um you know i think i have all the traits to To do so and you know honestly i I do try and i talk to patty and joe and and bogues about stuff that i can kind of do in that regard and uh you know i'm I'm making progress to being that hopefully one day
0: speaking about making progress you're in san antonio you signed the contract you've done the physicals the blood tests and you're going to stick around now but between now and training camp are you back on the floor what what are you hoping to work on or refining your game in advance of training camp?
1: Yeah, um, uh, yep, I'm out here. Uh, a, a lot of time has been putting into my body right now. These these guys are, you hear about it, uh, you hear about how far ahead of the curve the NBA is and in terms of management of body and, and kind of the work they do. And like it, once you get, you, yeah, you hear about it and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like great. Once you get here and you and you see what goes into their preparation, that's directed towards your preparation, it makes so much sense why these guys develop players at such a high clip. Their bodies are in great nick, um, everything. So for me right now, a lot of time is being spent in the weight room. Uh, you know, I'm in there five times a week. Uh, I'm conditioning a lot uh, on on the assault bikes at the minute. Um, and yeah, a lot of time's been spent on court as, as well. Uh, I would say that you know, from the conversations I've had with coach, uh, he's he loves that he loves the way that I, I I know the game and I read the game. And um, I don't think that I'm going to be expected to come out and and you know do crazy things and change my game a whole lot. I think that I'm like my my role just again to be do the dirty work. And just play basketball and and try and make make things fluid out here uh, in in terms of how I move the ball and read and react to situations and and whatnot. Um, now that's that's my opinion. I have no idea what my role will really look like, uh, mm. but you know a lot of it right now is adjusting to this three point line because um, you know I've built myself into a FIBA line forty percent shooter and I've done that consistently through um, you know. Uh, two 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 world tournaments, an NBL season, um, and you know a year uh, a, t- a year in Europe. So I now have to adjust to another two feet back or whatever it is, and and uh, you know try and work myself into that because I think that'll be a valuable part of my game. Um, you know, right, but,
0: you had no trouble with that. 2019 yeah, Summer League, 44% yeah. from three, 18 That's points true. a game. That's true. That's true.
1: I probably don't give myself enough credit, uh, but. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a lot of it is that. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just coming in here to try and to try and win. I know that there's there's chit chat of, you know, the Spurs aren't gonna be great and la da da, but um and I don't know this league in the slightest. I've never touched foot on one of these courts. So uh, but I just want to try and bring in a mentality of, you know, it's we're not just gonna roll over and, and, and things are just gonna, you know, be what everyone's saying it, it'll be. I, and
0: yeah, I don't know, we'll see what happens. Awesome, man. We're pumped for you. And uh, we can't wait to cheer you on over the course of the next season. So congrats on the deal. Congrats on everything you've achieved over the last three or four months and um, all the best for the season ahead, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.